with Hashem's loving grace. Uh, tonight, we've got a lot of ground to cover because we want to uh, complete uh, Likote Moran second part Torah 2. And it's a little bit too much for one lesson and not quite enough for two lessons. So I'm going to try and concentrate it to here. And uh, no further ado, Bezat Hashem. Tonight's lesson is entitled Voice from Above. It's our fourth lesson in Torah 2 in the second part of Likotoi Moran. And just to remind you, last week what we learned, we had an important lesson last week. If you didn't see it, you could go back on our, our playlist, uh, either on uh, laserbeams.com or on the Torch uh, podcast, Likotoi Moran podcast, you can pick it up. Last week we learned the four types of upright, truth-reflecting speech. Now, speech, we say speech, we say speech in the holy tongue. Speech means speech of truth. Otherwise, it's not speech. And we learned this is not, if, if, it, if it doesn't contain truth, if it's not 100% true, then it's not the it's not the speech of a human. Because we have a holy soul, and just as Hashem is truth, He expects us to, to be truth. So the bottom level is the speech of loving kindness. When we speak kindly to other people, make other people feel good, give compliments to other people, and just do things to make people feel good. Walk up to, to someone and say, you know, your son, your son, your daughter is so successful, and I know it takes a good tree to give good fruit. It makes a person's day. That is the speech of loving kindness. It's a speech of charity. Just like as you would give someone alms, you would give someone a coin in their hand. Uh, this is emotional charity, and a lot of times it could save lives. The second level is the speech of penitence. That is the speech of self-assessment. When a person assesses himself, and this is really true, and tries to hone into the truth, what did I do in the last 24 hours that was against the Almighty's will? And this is the next level up. That's called the speech of penitence. That's a, that's a dibut shachuva. And the third is speech of affluence, dibut speech of affluence. Uh, Rabbi Nachman explains that the affluent, the rich, they're close to the malchut, to the kingship. Uh, this is, again, one of Rabbi Nachman's metaphor, that when you have speech that is rich in spirituality, that is rich in emunah, this, this is true affluence, this is riches, and this brings us close to the malchut, to the kingship, to the, to the divine kingship. And then finally is the fourth level, this is called speech of malchut, the, the speech of kingship. This is the holy speech of our Torah learning, of our prayer that brings us right to the heavenly throne. And as it goes up, and so this week, we're going to learn the connection between upright speech and Shabbat. Shabbat has a lot to do with speech. And we're all going to see how the great Sadiqim attained these four levels of upright speech. And if they could do it, then we should aspire for it. Uh, that say We should never say, Rabbi Nachman says, don't say, I wasn't born a, a grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. I can't reach this. No, you have to aspire for it because nothing is stronger than desire. And Rabbi Nachman attests that he got nothing through DNA, that everything was just hard, hard, hard work. And he says, anybody who works to serve Hashem like he did will attain his spiritual level. You know who said the same thing? The Arizal. The Arizal said that he attained his lofty spiritual level. He's the greatest. He's attained the spiritual level of Moses just by serving Hashem b'simcha, with happiness, with joy. So we, our sages teach us that we can all learn this. We're not learning something that's way, way, way above our heads. Maybe now it's above our heads, but it's something. Uh, there are people that have reached the Everest because they worked hard enough at mountain climbing, they reached the Everest. And once one person reached the Everest, another person could reach the Everest. 
And this is the Everest of spirituality, and we can do it. It's just a matter of our desire and honing it to do it. So we're now in Likute Moran, second Torah on oh, hey, the fifth part. The fifth part. I'm going to quickly say it in Hebrew and then do it in English. That puts my mindset right. To, it's easier for me to translate. So Rabbi Nachman says that all the languages, all the languages called like the languages of stuttering. The only perfect speech is the Holy Tongue because the Holy Tongue, Hashem is perfect. And Hashem's tongue is perfect, and this is the holy tongue. What we explained last week, this is the tongue of the Bible. This is the language of the Bible. It's not Hebrew. Hebrew is modern Hebrew, what they speak on the streets in Israel today. That's not the language of the Bible. And last night in Munamah, we explained that the difference between the holy tongue and modern Hebrew is like the difference between a modern slang English and old English, Shakespearean English. That's a million, million differences, but uh, this is on, on a much higher level because... The language, the holy language, it's filled. Every letter has a secret. Every letter is full of holiness. So that Isaiah in chapter 32 calls the language of all the foreign languages, language of stammerers, that people like that, that they stutter because they, they, they don't reflect the truth. They don't reflect uh, spirituality. The very, take English, for example. English, for example, the most difficult thing in translating spiritual concepts in English is, is translating in English because we have concepts that roll off our tongue in the holy tongue. For example, Yilat Shemayim. What's Yilat Shemayim? We should translate that as uh, fear of Hashem. It's not exactly fear of Hashem. It's awe of Hashem, but reverence of Hashem. We've got to all these words, and this all in one word, Yilat, and we have it in Hebrew, but in English, you have to look for all these different words. And if you talk, for example, uh, in Hebrew, you say, Hachna is one's self-subjugation to Hashem. But uh, in, in English, the words are cancellation, like canceling a check or subjugation. You think there's someone being captured. It, it doesn't exactly what they say. One person once told me that translating something from the holy tongue into a foreign language is like kissing a bride through a veil. That's not it. It's not it. It's, you don't get the full flavor of the translation. So Rabbi Nachman continues on. Lashon HaKodesh Mekuba Nekusha Shabbos. That the holy tongue, this is connected to Shabbat and in Vidabel Dava, because we have all types of limitations on Shabbat. We're not to speak Shabbat about business and about mundane affairs. We're supposed to devote Shabbat to spiritual upraising. And then you say, uh, that the way that Rabbi Nachman stresses once again that the holy Tongue is an aspect of Shabbat. What does Rabbi Nachman mean Shabbat? We describe Shabbat, Yom Shekulo Shabbat, that the time after Mashiach will come and Hashem's kingdom will be revealed on earth. This is called an eternal Shabbat. And at that time, everybody's going to learn to speak the holy tongue because it'll be a holy time and a holy tongue. So that is the we the linkage between the holy tongue to Shabbat. Shabbat is on a higher, much higher spiritual level than the six days of the week, the six days, the Monday, the work, the mundane work days of the week. Shabbat is a much higher spiritual level. And by the same token, the holy tongue is on a much higher level than all the other languages. If we talk about modern Hebrew, 
The difference between the holy tongue and modern Hebrew is like the difference between Shabbat and holiness and the day of the week. And all the more so all the foreign languages. Okay, because the holy tongue encompasses two things. It's got sanctity and it's got blessing. It is so powerful to bless a person in the holy tongue because this is a Hashem blessed creation. You see in Genesis, Hashem blessed creation. This is the language of Hashem blessed creation. So since the holy tongue is linked to Shabbat, uh, we get there, feel the Shabbat much more, the more we perfect and refine our speech. Rabbi Nachman continues, and he says, Rabbi Nachman says that the days of the week are an aspect of sadness. Shabbat with holiness, holiness and happiness go together. This person feels so much happier and uplifted on Shabbat. But during the week, the person's going to work at the grind. And this is the day, the day of the week compared to Shabbat is like sadness compared to happiness. He says, even the mitzvahs that a person does during the week, they don't not the same level the mitzvahs person does on Shabbat. Why is that? It's because the uh, Hashem gives power to the angels to run the world, like an automatic pilot. Hashem gives power to the angels, and his main ma angel, I don't want to say it, that we, we, M-A-T-A-T, Matat, I want to say, don't say the whole names of the angels. He's like the chief archangel, and uh, hey, we don't know. Th those of us that we love Hashem, okay, Hashem, how great your angels are. We don't uh, we don't go to any middleman, no nothing. Okay, so if, if I can't go directly to Hashem, I'm not happy. So if I have to go through some type of hierarchy of angels, this is not happy. And that's why the weekdays are a concept of gloominess. That's it's, it's the, the person feels heavy. And on Shabbat, all of a sudden, he's uplifted and he's light. Now, people that are material-oriented and they don't spend their Shabbat in spiritual endeavors, then the Shabbat for them is gloomy. Because uh, they're they're missing their their material endeavors. So if but if a person is spiritually oriented and wants to get close to Hashem, wow, Shabbat, you feel like you're in the stratosphere, much much higher level. Rabbi Nachman continues, Shabbat is like the king's son. On Shabbat, that is one joy is awakened. Because as Rabbi Nachman reiterates that the six days of the week, they are an aspect of sadness compared to Shabbat. And this Rabbi Nachman now talks about a play on words of the name Noah, the name Noah that was in the in the second Torah portion of portion Noah after after Breshit, Noah. And when Noah was born, they gave him the name Noah, which also means rest. Okay, and it says, and then the Torah says, the reason he got this name, because Noah got this name that he said, this will also comfort us. The rest, not all means comfort. So Noah came to the world and comforted the world of its, uh, comfort the world of its, of its sadness. And they would, they, Noah was like, remember when Cain was cursed. And Cain was said, you should be a wanderer on the earth. And the earth won't give its yield because he killed his brother. So ever since Cain, there was a curse on the earth. And farmers would work really hard and nothing would come out of the ground. Not what they planned. After Noah came, even though there was the flood, Noah 
canceled his righteousness, the righteousness of Noah, uh, canceled the curse. The curse that came to the world because of Cain, that was canceled because of Noah. And that was like that the world came to rest. Noah is also, Rabbi Nachman brings different aspects. We see Rabbi Nachman is, is a bit of a painting. When you watch a painter paint a painting, and you maybe see working on something, and you see the empty canvas and work on something, you don't know what, what's going to be. This Rabbi Nachman, his Torahs are like painting a painting. Rabbi Nachman is painting all types of uh, different areas in the painting, and then they all come together. In French, they call it a denouement, when the, everything comes together, like an act in a plot or in a painting, when everything comes together. And this is what we'll see in the end. Rabbi Nachman teaches what this seemingly, seemingly irrelated facts, but they're all going to come together beautifully. Now, Rabbi Nachman continues, when someone merits the level of the holy tongue, then he or she merits a connection to Shabbat. In other words, so, okay, it doesn't matter if you don't speak the biblical tongue. We learn the four levels of speech. To merit connection to the holy tongue, you could take your tongue in English right now and make it holy. How do you make that tongue in English holy? First, you use it for the first level of speech of loving kindness. Then use it for speech of penitence. Then use it for speech of affluence, getting close to Hashem. And then use it for the speech of kingship, for malchut, in your prayer and in your Torah learning. So it, that can all be done in English. Okay, you won't be on the level of, of Abraham or, or Moses, which, but who, who is? No, none of us are. Okay, but you can attain... That if, if Hashem put you in England or in France or in Italy or would, wherever you are, Hashem put you where you can attain your best. Hashem wants you to do. What, what, what happens if you're in the UK or if you're in Canada or if you're in New Zealand and you speak English? Rabbi Nachman, okay, yes, he spoke about the Holy Tongue. And yes, he brought the passage in Isaiah that all the other languages are like stuttering compared to the Holy Tongue. And this, this even includes modern day Hebrew. This is stuttering. It includes, the, you talk to a Torah scholar, an old-time Torah scholar, for him, modern-day Hebrew is, is no different than anything else. In fact, they'll avoid speaking modern-day Hebrew because there are words there that belong to the Holy Tongue that he would only use on Shabbat or only use in Torah learning. And that's why uh, the great Ashkenazi sages spoke Yiddish, spoke jargon, and the great Sephardi sages either spoke Arabic, if they're from Arab countries, or they spoke Ladino. If they were from uh, the uh, Spanish Spanish European countries, okay, so they would only speak holy tongue on Shabbat. Right, so this is why uh, you would say to the Torah scholars, the Sephardi Torah scholars, they would speak Ladino or Arabic, and the Ashkenazi Torah scholars they would speak Yiddish during the week, and on Shabbat they would speak the holy tongue because the holy tongue is an aspect of Shabbat, and the holy tongue is an aspect of joy. We that's why. Uh, this is what King David tells us. King David says that the words of Hashem are straight and they gladden the heart. Are they straight? Because they're the holy tongue. This is Hashem's holy tongue. It goes straight into the heart. There's no crookedness in it whatsoever. And it right away gladdens the heart. It right away brings us to Simcha. Okay, we're now up to letter Vav. Okay, and, and uh, Torah 2, letter Vav. Rabbi Nachman says, Now, Rabbi Nachman says what happens when we uplift ourselves in sanctity in Shabbat. 
But when the Shabbat leaves, the sanctity leaves, but the impression of the sanctity does not leave. The impression of the sanctity, it's like somebody, imagine, I, I use a, uh, excuse Hashem, excuse me for the metaphor, but examine, imagine that Hashem is wearing lipstick, okay, and Hashem gives us kisses on Shabbos, and we've got this impression, it's, it's kissed with lipstick, okay? And if we don't wipe the lipstick off, then we take this impression into the week. Oh, <laughs> well, this is Hashem's illumination is like a kiss. And when we connect with Hashem's illumination, we love to lift ourselves in holiness, we take this illumination. Yes, the illumination leaves uh, on Shabbat. But what happened? You went to a vacation at the beach and you got a big suntan. Well, you left the sun, you're out of the sun, but your face still glows. Everybody sees that you were at the beach. Hey, were you at the beach? Yeah, I was in Miami. I was in Bermuda. I was here. I was there. Okay, that's the, this is the same thing we can understand from a suntan what the glow of Shabbat does when we connect to holiness, how we take this glow. We get this divine light suntan that we take into the middle of the week. And what this does, this is the person that walks around with a suntan like that. This causes the unity of God to be revealed. And this is something very, very beautiful. If a person does that, then he creates a sanctification of Shem's name. Because walking around, hey, what made you so beautiful? Oh, yeah, I spent uh, uh, six hours in, in prayer on Shabbat, and I spent uh, three hours eating, and then the, the other 10 hours I was learning Torah. Wow, what a Shabbat. <laughs> so the, here, the six days... The six days, they're uh, mundane, and Shabbat uplifts us. And Rabbi Nachman says, Only the Shabbat that we're worthy of, how we're worthy of it, is how much investment we invest in Shabbat. Hashem gave us a tremendous gift. Like our sages said, the Gemara tract, Shabbat, wonderful, wonderful gift in my treasure house. And when Hashem gives this gift, takes it out of the royal coffers, the royal treasures, and gives it to his sons and daughters, then this is a revelation of Hashem's unity in the world. This achadut apashut. And so by way of the great gift of Shabbat that Hashem gives us, we help reveal the divine unity. And now you can understand, especially, okay, a Noahide is not, uh, required to keep Shabbat, but for a Jew that breaks Shabbat, that is very, very bad news. Very, very bad news. Why? Because rather than bringing a revelation of Hashem's unity, it's like doing the exact opposite. Heaven forbid, I don't even want to say it. And it, it just like Shabbat is important. It's, it's a requirement for all of humanity, for all of humanity, because our Coming six days feed off of the Shabbat that comes before it. In fact, the Zohar says that the sh previous Shabbat gives vitality to the Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, they live off the vitality they look forward from the coming Shabbat. So Rabbi Nachman says, He says, There's that's a very, very rare and special quality the revelation of Hashem's unity. And it says, Yochid v'rabim, Malach v'rabim. And then Rabbi David says, well, all this, remember while we began way back in the beginning of Torah 2, that we get to this truth by learning halacha, by learning religious law. 
And he says there's a law in halacha, yachid v'rabim, halacha karabim, that if they have an opinion in the Gemara, one rabbi against three rabbis, the opinion is majority rule. It's like the like like the many, the majority rule. Rabbi Nachman explains that when the rabbis are arguing about the halacha, and why they argue about the halacha, it's not so cut and dry, because in the holy tongue, the whole Gemara, the whole Gemara is discussing and arguing about what exactly the Torah meant. The Torah was written like a telegram. You see, sometimes the Torah is written like a telegram. You should observe the Shabbat. What do you mean, observe the Shabbat? There are volumes and volumes and volumes of what Sabbath observance contains. But when the rabbis get together and they have a compendium and they decide on the halacha, this togetherness is a unity and this also brings a revelation of the divine unity into the world, which is very, very precious. And Hashem loves this. You know, it's very important that we avoid uh, the intramural bickering in, in uh, the nation of Israel. Because if there was the only bickering, then every rabbi decides for himself, oh, no, the, the halacha in my community is going to be like I say. No, sir. No, sir, you have to bend to the authorities and to, to the consensus authorities. And by you bending to the authorities that above you, and what's the authority above? The code of Shulchan, the code of Jewish law, Shulchan Aruch, and the way uh, our, our, our leading rabbinical commentators, that halacha goes according to them, this creates unity in Am Yisrael. Otherwise, it's, 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 it's discord. And we can't have discord because discord Here's the thing of unity. And this we're talking about right now, all the war, all the time. I talk about that time, blue in the face. And blue in the face that right before the war, up to October 6, everybody was everybody's neck in Israel. The right against the left, the religious against the non-religious. After the October 7th massacre, when Hamas massacred 1,200 Jewish people, all of a sudden there was no more. Okay, no more. This is what Hashem had to do. Hashem cannot stand dissension. And he loves unity because the unity brings the unification of his name. And so Hashem had to go to extents. It's like when a, a, a mom or, or dad, when junior is not listening and they, they pick up their voice, junior's not listening, pick up the voice. When it comes time, we're saying Yiddish, a patch. They've got to get a, 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 get a, get a, a slap. And, and then all of a sudden, they get junior's attention. Well, if we're smart, then we give Hashem our attention before he picks up the, before he, he picks up the, the the volume, and in my humble opinion, the reason that the war is not over yet is because there's still lack of unity, and the voice of Israel is not heard. That 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 what did what does the Torah says? Shakol kol Yaakov, shalesov. Our voice. This is the holy tongue. This is our weapon. It's not the swords and, and, and knives and guns. That's Esau's weapon. Our weapon is prayer. Our weapon is prayer. We weapon by, by prayer. If a person prays for Israel, prays for the soldiers, prays for uh, that Hashem's... Look at, look at the lie. Look what's going on in the Hague now. Absolute lie. And then with the, 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 murderers are, the, the murderers are being... Uh, the, 
the, the, the defendants, the victims, and the victims are now being accused as murderers. It, it, it's so topsy-turvy and this exact opposite of truth. And this is what we're talking about this whole for the four weeks already about the truth in speech. It's the truth because this brings, why is truth so important? Truth is a revelation of Hashem's name on earth. And all our job here in this earth is to reveal Hashem's name. Not a job to go to work in the morning and make a living and come home and have a schooner beer and eat a bite of bread and then go back the next morning and do the same thing. No, whatever we're doing, doesn't matter what we're doing to make a living, what we're doing, whether we're a firefighter or a school teacher or, or, or a student university, whatever we do, it has to be to expose Hashem's name. And we have to do everything we can to avoid dissension. The Gemara tells us, in Tractate Bubba C, page 59b, a story about dissension. And the story about dissension was an argument between the great Rabbi Eliezer ben Horkinus and his Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanania. They used to argue the whole time. They were best friends, but they argued. They had different outlooks on halacha. And the rabbis went along with Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Eliezer, he was so great. He was so great that even the heavens agreed with him. There's a voice came out of heaven. That's tonight's lesson, voice from heaven. Voice of heaven came out. And he wanted to prove that he had the true, uh, he, he truly attained the four levels of holy speech. And Rabbi Nachman explains this Gomorrah. It's a very cryptic Gomorrah, and it's a supernatural Gomorrah. See, some things that are, are more cryptic in the Gomorrah than they are in Kabbalah. So this, everything Rabbi Nachman has been teaching us in Torah 2 aligns with the story of Rabbi Eliezer the Great. And he talks about, they're discussing about a, an oven. It's called Tanur Shlachdai, an oven that is made out of metal links. And it's put together like a Lego. You take metal, you put together like, like a Lego, and it can be taken apart after a person cooks. Uh, so they wanted to prove, Rabbi Eliezer wanted to prove that he had perfect speech. And so here's what he said. He said that if you take apart, if the oven becomes ritually impure, all you have to do is take it apart and it becomes pure again. And the other, the other wise man said, no way. It's made out of metal. If you want to purify it, you have to put it through fire. And now you're back forth. They're taking it apart, put it through fire. And they argued, argued back and forth whether the law is like Rebbe Eliezer or whether the law is like Rebbe Yeshua and his mates. So Rebbe Eliezer says, if the law is like me, the carob tree will prove it. And to, to the carob tree, they said, if the carob tree laws like me, then the carob tree will, will jump back. Well, the carob tree jumped back. And the, they, they were, he, he was pulling miracles. He said, if the law is like me, then the stream of water will go reverse. The stream of water went reverse. And, okay, they still didn't pay any attention to it. Okay, he's so doing a sound and light show. And then he said, uh, if the law is like me, then the walls of the study hall, they should fall down. And then Rabbi Yeshua, they started to fall down. Rabbi Yeshua said, no, 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 stop right there. Stop right there. You're not listening to him. I know because of, because of his name, I command, command you to stop. So the walls, the study hall, were left at about a 60 degree angle. It was, uh, they were back and forth. And then there were, the heavens, they came down, the Gemara said, the, the heavens came down to listen. And then he says, the law like me, then the, the heavens will, will, will testify. A voice came out of the heaven and said, the law is like Rebbe Eliezer. Or Rebbe Yeshua ben Hananiah, he yelled up to heaven. He says, the halacha is not like what is up in heaven. We make it down here. We make it down here. And then the Gemara tells us that Hashem smiled 
And Hashem said, Nitzchuni banai Nitzchuni, you have defeated me, my sons, you have defeated me. He said, are you in a halacha? With, Hashem agreed with Rabbi Eliezer, but all the rabbis agreed with Rabbi Yeshua, and they out-argued Hashem. Hashem took part in this halachic discussion. And it's what's it like? It's like, uh, say, how can you beat Hashem? Can you imagine that you're playing chess or checkers with your, your grandson or your granddaughter, your son or your daughter, and you purposely let them win so they'll feel good. And they're so happy, this and that. You're happy too, because they had made you made them work hard. You made them work hard. You're a champion chess player, but you just made a little opening, gave them a little opening. They saw the opening and they, they went in. This is what it with Hashem. But we learned one thing from here. We learned that the halacha is not what it is up in the sky. Halacha that we wear two different types of tefillin because there's an argument up in the sky whether tefillin is like Rashi or tefillin is like Rabbeinu Tam. So most people wear the Rashi tefillin, but we Hasidim and many of the Sephardim, we were both Rashi and Rabbeinu Tam to make sure of both opinions. Okay, so with this all, the argument was arguing about who the halacha is like. Uh, so Rabbi Nachman explains when he talked about the carob tree, the carob tree alludes, what, what, was, what was Rabbi Eliezer trying to say with the carob tree? Carob tree, that is that he attained the speech of charity, the first level, the speech of loving kindness. Because if you plant carob trees, carob trees take 70 years to give fruit. In other words, uh, if you plant a carob tree, maybe because you have a farm, your grandfather planted a carob tree. That's why you have carobs. Okay, so you are now planting a carob tree, not for yourself, for your grandchildren. Just like your granddaddy planted you a carob tree, and you're doing the same thing for your kids. You don't expect to eat from it. But uh, your grandfather didn't expect to eat from it too, but he did it for you. And just, this is charity. This is something done completely out of charity. We're not doing something for yourself. You're doing something for your offspring for subsequent generations. Okay, so that was that the first thing. Now, what did he mean when, when the, the water stream went back? When the water stream back, that alludes to repentance. That because in, when we repent in lamentations, how to say lamentations, pour your heart out like water. So when Rabbi Eliezer said that uh, the water stream will prove it, he wanted to prove that he had attained the second level of speech with the speech of penitence. Why was he telling them? He says, look, if I've attained these perfect levels of speech, then halacha has to be like me because speech comes from halacha. Halacha is truth. This was his argument. Rabbi Nachman is showing this argument. Never saw, never understood that Gemara until, until Rabbi Nachman we learned, taught it here, that inner dimension. Why uh, Rabbi Eliezer did these four particular miracles. He was trying to prove to his colleagues that halacha was like him, and halacha is based on uh, honesty and based, and based on these four levels of speech. Then he said that the level, the, 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 the walls of the study hall, they'll prove. Okay, what is the study hall? Who, who builds the study hall? The rich people, they build the study halls. They build the study halls for the community. And so by saying the walls of the study hall are going to listen to me, he wanted to show that he attained the third level, which is speech of affluence. And then finally, we invoked the heavenly voice. He wanted to show that he attained the fourth level, which is the speech of Malchut, which he did. He did attain these four levels. And that's what Hashem is attesting to. When he said, Halacha is like Rabbi Eliezer, yes, Rabbi Eliezer did get these four levels. But we understand that 
our halacha, our religious law, it's a consensus to prevent big bickering. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman tells us that the heavenly voice alludes to Malchut. Right now, we continue on. Nimtza Shere Rabbi Eliezer be'arbat v'rim ha'ele sheyesh al shleimut ribu adibu. Rabbi Eliezer did show one thing that on these four miracles that he performed, that he did attain perfection of speech. The four levels of speech, as we learn, once again, the speech of charity or loving kindness, the speech of penitence or tshuva, the speech of affluence or shirut, and the speech of malchut, which is a divine level of speech that which this is symbol, symbolic of our prayer and our Torah learning that reaches the heavenly throne. Okay, so even though he attained this perfect level of speech, Halacha is determined down here on earth. Not everyone can look in the Torah and decide what the halacha is. That's why we have Din, uh, that's why we have religious courts, and that's why we have rabbis, we have a hierarchy of rabbis. Uh, just like you have in this court system, you have a basic court, an appellate court, and a district court, and then a Supreme Court. We have the same thing in the Din system, and until ultimate halacha is uh, determined. So with these four things, Rabbi Eliezer showed that he had uh, four levels of speech. And then Hashem smiled from above and he said, my sons have defeated me. <laughs> Hashem let his kids beat him in a chess pit. But, but to fight that, they said that the Gemara tells us that Hashem did this for Rabbi Eliezer's honor. But intrinsically, Hashem agreed that the halacha should be like the consensus of rabbis. Okay, so now Rabbi Nachman continues. This is what King David means in Psalm 100. Ibdu et Hashem b'Simcha, serve Hashem in joy. Hainu l'amshich Simcha lebchinat Eved, bchinat Matat. He says when you bring Simcha into the six days, the six days are like that's the servant, that's the angels that they're 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 in charge of things. When you bring Simcha, when you bring joy into the six days, you bring joy. Because of that suntan from Shabbat, you bring joy into the six days. That's like bringing joy into uh, into the six days. Where the six days we learned are sadness. And you bring joy of Shabbat, the joy of holiness into the six days with sadness. And this is what Rabbi Nachman says. Uh, what? Why does King David says, first serve Hashem with joy, then come into his presence with joyous song. Know that God, he is the Lord. And that's Psalm 100. That's the song of thanksgiving. And that's what it means to serve Hashem with joy when we channel the joy of Shabbat into the six mundane days. And that also brings down Hashem's, it reveals Hashem's simple unity. Uh, now we came back. Let's look at our very first lesson. Remember, our very first lesson is Hanukkah. Rabbi Nachman is now tying the whole Torah together. Let's tie everything we learned. Now we're going to tie the whole last four lessons all together into one, we hope, nice little package. Okay, we learned that the concept of Hanukkah, that Hanukkah are the days of Thanksgiving. And these are the delight of the world to come, because the world to come, what's world to come? That's Shabbat. So the world to come is the Shabbat, day of Thanksgiving. And that's why Psalm 92 is the Psalm of Shabbat, Mizmo Shilioma Shabbat, a song of praise for the day of Shabbat, Tov Lodot Lashem, it's good to thanks Hashem. So the aspect of Hanukkah and the aspect of Shabbat are both the aspects of thanksgiving. And Shabbat is a great time to thank Hashem for everything. And there's so much to thank Hashem about. 
Okay, so that is the, the first thing. So this, there's no greater revelation of truth than saying thank you to Hashem, because everything we have such a debt of gratitude to Hashem about every little aspect of our lives, we cannot say thank you enough to Hashem. So every time we say thank you to Hashem, this is reflecting truth. And this is the idea behind the Hanukkah lights. And the Hanukkah lights are the revelation of divine light. And this alludes to the oil because we use, we use olive oil. And olive oil is symbolic in all through the Torah is truth. Because King David says in Psalm 43, he says, send forth your light and your truth. Rabbi Nachim continues, and we have to put our menorah near the, the opening, near the opening to the house, the gateway to the house. And that's indication of tshuva, pitli petach. Asim says, openly, open me a tiny little pinhole for my light, and I'll open you the width as wide as a tunnel. So this is open. When we open our hearts to Hashem's light, Hashem opens it much, much, much wider. We have to make the first step. We have to make the first step and open ourselves to Shem's light. Okay. And that's why a person should place the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah light near the, the entrance, because that is, Rabbi Nachman says, that is indicative to just the opening of the house. That's the opening of the mouth. That's our mouth where we say thank you to Hashem, because Hanukkah is an aspect of gratitude. Again, Shabbat is an aspect of gratitude. Now we understand why we sing songs of gratitude to Hashem on Shabbat Zimbirot. Okay, and that's Hanukkah also is like the rest, has another aspect, just like Shabbat. Hanukkah, if you take the word Hanukkah and break it up, means Hanukkah. They rested on Kafhei. They rested on 25th. They rested on 25th of Kislev. 25th of Kislev was the day that the Maccabim uh, freed the Holy Temple and purified the Holy Temple. And that is the day when they rested from their enemies. Just like Shabbat is the day we rested from our work, then the 25th of Kislev is the day they rested for enemies. And that is part, as one of the ways that the word Hanukkah came into being, Hanukkah, that they rested, they came on the 25th, which is Kafhei. Okay. Rabbi Nachman continues, he says, What he's been saying all along, he says that the joy of Shabbat illuminates the six days. In other words, if a person observes Shabbat, then he brings the joy of Shabbat into the six the six regular days, the six mundane days. Shem Prinat Hanukkah. And it's the same aspect as Hanukkah. Hanukkah is also a play on words for chinuch, which is education. And education, is a, we're educated in the service of Hashem, illuminate of Hashem. We go forward now. We are in letter chet, ot chet. And now Rabbi Nachman says, where does he bring back to the Torah portion of the week he said this, which was Miketz. And it's been, it happened at the end of two years. This is when Joseph was incarcerated. And, and after Joseph was in 11 years incarceration, then the two Egyptian ministers had their dreams. Joseph solved their dream. And he asked one of the ministers to inter intercede for him. And he forgot about it. And because Joseph asked, the help of flesh and blood on his spiritual level, Hashem made him sit in the prison for another two years until he finally got out. Okay, Miketz, what does Miketz? It means the end. And Miketz is uh, halacha. It says Miketz halacha. This is like the end of indication of the end of days. And this is the end of days where everyone will delight in Hashem's light. So 
what did, why was it inner meaning, the inner secret of Shnatayim, remember the two years that Yosef went back, why for two years? And our sages taught that uh, Let's see him say this in Hebrew. When a person learns properly, and if he learns one day properly, Rabbi Yochanan teaches us in the Gemara, that's as, he, as if he learned for an entire year. So when this learning the halacha for two days, it's like they're two years. This is indicative. This is very cryptic, but what we're talking about very cryptic, just to explain this, um, Rabbi, Rabbi Natan himself, right? There, there's a, there's a, Rabbi Natan says, I'm sorry to leave up here. Rabbi Natan, he just left us up and he said, I didn't hear the rest of, of the interpretation of the two years from Rabbi Nachman. Okay, so we continue on. Sometimes this happens. We see that this is, is so deep that even Rebbe Natan gets lost. This happens occasionally. He says he's missing. So we're going to go continue on to Tet. Uh, never in Rebbe Nachman. It is always proper to say, I don't know, or I don't understand, and to continue on. And you know, while we're learning Rebbe Nachman, there are going to be times where I tell you, I don't know and I don't understand. And even before I got to Rebbe Natan, this was getting into, uh, my wheels were digging in the mud. And then Rabbi Natan finally said that uh, he didn't hear the rest of it. Okay, so Boch Hashem, we're going to continue on down. We're not going to get bogged down. Okay, so beg your forgiveness, but that's a limitation of, of my my uh, education. In letter Tet, a ninth letter, Lev. Now Rabbi Nachman is going to tie in what we talked about when the heart feels the trouble. This was in our second lesson. Now we're in the fourth lesson, was in the second lesson of Torah 2. B'sha'sha lev b'tzara, gama areyah b'tzara, uh-oh. When the heart is in trouble, when the body's, the body's under pressure, when the heart is in trouble, then the lungs are in trouble too. Ki areyah ikiyum aguf, because the lungs are the lifeline of the body. It's the air. If the person doesn't have air, they're finished. Ki areyah mekayemet alecha levana mamshicha lech luchit laguf. That it is the not only air does the lung bring the bring the body, but also moisture. Also moisture. If a person doesn't drink enough and they could dry out the lungs and the body gets dehydrated. Rabbi Nachman explains, Rabbi Nachman was a master of anatomy before the anatomy, before the doctors knew what was going on. Rabbi Nachman says, as the body operates, like this is, uh, you're talking about uh, the time of Napoleon when Rabbi Nachman wrote this, the late 1700s, early 1800s. And he says, as the body moves, the body generates heat. And the heat that the body generates, it dries out the body. Rabbi Nachman is saying simply, if you work hard or if you're an athlete, get a bottle of water, drink. You got to drink because you have to Keep your, your your lungs moist, you have to keep your body moist because the more your body moves, then the more it is going to dry out. Because movement dries the body. And therefore, our main uh, source of vitality is the lung. The, 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 the moisture within the lung. It says, when the heart is in trouble, then all the, remember we said all the blood comes and they inundate the, the heart. 
and the heart beats very, very fast to get rid of the excess blood. And then what happens when the heart is working so hard, then the lungs, you, you, you breathe faster because the lung has to cool down the heart. It has to bring more air in. And this is the, the radiator. It's got to cool off the engine. The more a person breathes in, the breath is drying out his mouth, drying out his lung, drying out his body. So when the heart is in trouble, it, the, the lungs and the body get dried out much quicker. So uh, this is the, what's Rabbi Nachman leading to? He's saying that uh, we talked about the concept of oil. When you burn candles on Shabbat and you burn candles on Hanukkah, okay, as you burn them, they're also, the, the oil is being burned. And as a person, when the heart is in trouble, the more, the faster the candle is being burned. The candle, we say, is a metaphor for the human soul. So at Rabbi Nachman continues, we are on, uh, on our finishing end. Okay, next to the last thought. When a righteous person is in trouble, the divine presence cries for it. That's why it's also a big mitzvah to pray for a righteous person when they're in trouble. But not only that, the divine presence uh, cries out when a righteous person is in trouble. And it's all the more so when the blood of the tzaddikim is spilled, that we all have to cry about this. And we have to stand, especially now, uh, somebody said something to me that was really upsetting, as if, uh, you know, it's not his business that soldiers are, are dying in Gaza. I said, sure is your business, because they're protecting you. Oh, no, more, but uh, it sure is. And you have to understand every soldier that dies is a martyr, and the divine presence cries about them, and you're not going to cry about them. So the Gemara tells us that if a person doesn't suffer the sorrow of the nation, then they're not going to merit to see the happiness of the nation. If someone doesn't suffer the sorrow of the nation and they don't take to heart every soldier that dies and every parent, stop and think, every parent, parents of the soldiers, even I'm talking about the parents of wounded soldiers and parents that have lost soldiers, but even a parent that has a soldier in Gaza right now, and that parent's not sleeping so well. And what about a parent of someone who's still captured in Gaza? And you can imagine if they're still alive, and if they are alive, what type of conditions they are. We have to feel the pain of everyone else. And this is by, by a righteous people, they feel the pain. Um, people that are ego egotistic, they don't care about other people's pain. Even if they're their neighbors, their countrymen, no, but righteous people, they feel the pain. And that once uh, the person is healed, or once the person is saved, then the righteous person feels the joy also. And this brings it, this comfort and grief of, of every one of us. You can say, I can tell a person is really righteous. See how much he or she truly loves and cares about humanity, about other human beings. Talk a big game, you know, the holiness said, no, it's not the big game of holiness. How much they truly care about other people. This is Rabbi Nachman's teaching us right now. So now we go into to letter Yud. Now it gives us a little thing. We, Rabbi Nachman taught us Psalm 100. He says, you know, when to use Psalm 100? And listen to this. If there's any doulas among us, if you have someone that is difficult in giving birth, 
then right by her, say Psalm 100, say it over and over and over. And before you know, you'll see a big, big miracle. And Rabbi Nachman leaves us with that thought. And with that thought, he finishes He finishes uh, Torah 2, Bezrat Hashem. Next week, we're going to start a new project. And Bezrat Hashem, Hashem should help us earn the Holy Tongue, the four levels of the Holy Tongue once again, get it engraved this in our souls, the first level, the, the speech of compassion, of charity, the second level, the speech of penitence, of tshuva, the third level, the speech of affluence, of a shield, and the fourth level, the really holy speech, the speech of malchut, of Hashem's kingship. So with that, everyone should have bracha a wonderful week. Look forward to seeing you next week.